0: talking about being uh, hospitable and being a welcoming community, that was the first thing that I, that came in, that was the picture that came into my head was the sign, Church of Christ welcomes you. And and we do need to be a a welcoming community um, because there are a lot of really welcoming communities. And and I don't know if, if we maybe have thought about how many welcoming communities there are. Uh, For example, the drug culture is a welcoming community. One of the things that drew me into that is because those that are in that culture accept you for who you are. Now, they don't tell you up front, but when you join the community or when you join the group, You're accepted. But then there's a price that you'll pay later on down the road. But you don't know that going in and you're already hooked. Does that make sense? But it is a very welcoming community. Uh, I got involved into some um, gangs. They weren't gangs like they have gangs. I mean, we didn't carry guns and, you know, stuff like that. But but we did have uniforms. And I I got involved in um, some gang life. They're also very accepting. They dress alike. Uh, I may have shared this story with you one time before, but uh, I used to get up in the morning uh, before I went to bed and I wore khaki pants. Our uniforms were khaki pants with white shirts, starched, heavy starch. You know, you could buy this powdered starch and you can put it in the sink and, and mix it up and dip your pants in it. On your shirt, in it, and then iron it. And the pants and shirt will almost set, they'll stand up together. It's really the, one of the most uncomfortable things I ever did, but, but I did that to be a part. Because we want to be accepted, we want to be a part, we want to be a part of a community. And, and that was just part of the community that, that was available to me. There, there's sports communities where people gather for for sports activities uh, with their children, their work communities where things are done in in work. And all of these communities are welcoming. And we need to be a welcoming community. But there's one thing that, that separates us, I believe, from all of those other communities is that we're a community of kingdom love. Does that make sense? a community of kingdom love. We're a community of people that have kingdom hearts. And that's what joins us together, where people want to be around us. Um, what I mean by a kingdom heart is it's a heart that's been re- rewired, so to speak. It would be a heart like what Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus in John chapter John chapter 3, where he says, you know, Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you're going to have to be born again. And kind of Nicodemus is kind of lost with that, but he's basically saying, you're going to have to be rewired if you're going to see this thing. If you're going to experience the kingdom of God in this kingdom community and kingdom love, you're going to have to be rewired to do it. The old has to go away and the new has to come in. And for a lot of us, the old needs to go away so that the new needs to come in. Because it's, it's a daily thing. It's a daily process. It, it doesn't stop. The old is co- constantly going out, fading away, and the new coming back in. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus spoke about when he was speaking to Nicodemus about the difficulty in understanding this because it's kind of like the, the wind, it blows and you can't see it. Paul kind of said it this way. He says that when you're, you're led by the spirit of God, and a, that a kingdom heart is led by the spirit this rewiring is a, a wiring of the spirit that dwells within us. I really love the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of my favorite uh, parts of the Bible, Jesus says a lot of good stuff here. Um, One of the things that I want to point out, we're going to look at uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through uh, 12, chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. I think here you'll see four characteristics of the kingdom heart. So he kind of paints a picture of what a kingdom heart looks like. And the first one, well, let's, let's read the text first and see if this makes sense. Um, do not judge, lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. And behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before a swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it shall be given to you; seek and ye shall find; knock and the door will be uh, knock and it shall be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you, when his son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask for a fish, will he, not give him a, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, who is in heaven, Give what is good to those who ask him. Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets. I I see here four characteristics of the kingdom heart. And and the first characteristic, Jesus puts it in the negative, but it's acceptance. Accept one another, okay? Jesus, Jesus throws it in the negative and says, don't judge, you know, and, and judging, when we think about judging, um, judging is so much a part of who we are, it, and, it, and it comes from the very beginning, and, and often we do it and we don't even really recognize what we're doing. Example, and this is one that I struggle with. Um, most of you know the, my background, um, drug, sex, and alcohol, okay, um, It required in my life a lot of discipline, especially in the beginning portions of my recovery. A lot of very difficult practices, a very uh, disciplined lifestyle. So sometimes, often, when I'm working with somebody or walking on this journey with someone, and they start whining or complaining about not having time, or, well, this is just really hard. My patience gets about that short. That's judging. Does that make sense? And when I do that, it makes it very difficult for them to connect with me. And you've heard me say this over and over, and I'm going to say it a couple of times this morning probably, But what is on the inside always comes out, James chapter 4. So if I have this judgmental spirit, if I have this measure, because this standard, because I have set a standard that in recovery you do these things. Does that make sense? A person in recovery does this, and if they don't do it, then they just don't measure up. Wow. I don't want to do that. And, and perfectionism also works the same way. You know, if we like everything perfect and we have a standard, a way that we go about doing it, and then someone else comes along and does it a little bit different, how do we feel? We go, oh, they shouldn't have done it that way. That little voice starts going in the head and we can hear it. Now, sometimes we don't say it, but we're, we're muttering it to ourselves. Is this making sense? So so we do that, and even though that we don't say it out loud, if we continue the journey with the individual, it's going to come out. And it doesn't make us look very inviting, very sensitive to the needs of others. Yeah, this idea of judging and pointing fingers is just really a part of us. And see, Jesus starts the sermon in the beginning portions of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, if your righteousness does not surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. And I think maybe what he would say today is, he would say, if your lifestyle doesn't surpass the lifestyle of the fallen world, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. If, If your coping skills... Do not surpass that of the fallen world, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. If your problem solving skills, how you go about solving problems, if your relational skills do not surpass that of the fallen world, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. And I think also, people won't feel very welcome, it won't be very inviting. Because the fallen world is looking for a response. But so often, when they do approach us, we judge. We have a standard and we want them to meet it immediately. No time to wait. So they go and become part of another community. But Jesus says no condemning, no finger pointing, none of that for the kingdom heart. That's not how it works. You know, so many families, and I, and I would even say my family, I, I think probably if you ask my kids, they would say they knew more in their young childhood more about what I was opposed to than what I was for. And that's sad. When we first came back from Brazil, I don't know if some of you won't even know what this is, but uh, we didn't know what it was because we were, we'd been in Brazil for 11 years, so we come back and all the kids were wearing these huge, these pants that were, the pant leg was bigger around than my waist. Did anybody remember that style? They were huge. I mean, it looked like they just had one waist that went down and it just kind of forked. Does that make sense? And and my kids, Corey, my son, wanted to wear those. I mean, we got here and he was going, I'm in. And I said, no, you're not. And we went round and round and round over these big-legged pants. And I said, Corey, look at the people that wear those pants. Jeez, what was I saying? When I look back on that, I go, "Geez." Lord, have mercy on me. But that is just so, this finger pointing and judging and condemning, it's so subtle, but it's so much a part of who we are. But it's not a part of who kingdom people are. It's not a part of the kingdom heart. We need to be safe people as we share life together and having part of that patience as we live together. A second characteristic here of the the kingdom heart, it doesn't use force. It doesn't use force. Jesus says, um, don't cast your pearls before pigs. And I think what he's talking about there, there is some discernment because we can ask the question, well, if... If I don't, how do, how do we correct people? If we just accept everybody, how do we, what kind of standard? How do we make any kind of correction? You know, if we, we see the, the, the individuals that, that need to change, and so how do we do that? And I think one of the things that he says here is you don't use force. So many times what I have I want to give to you so badly that I drive it on you. I force it on you. Is this making sense? And, and my, my intentions are, are very good. But I'm going to make you sit down and listen to me. I'm, I'm going to make sure that you, you hear what I'm saying. And I'm going to do this even without listening to you. And we we take that and the people are not ready to receive it because see, pearls don't do anything for pigs. Pigs can't eat pearls. So you don't give pearls to pigs. You give them what they need. Making sense? So I have to be able to tell what the person needs. And what he needs is my love for him. He needs me to accept him where he is first because this acceptance, this love, is drawn out of my relationship with God. I have a little chart here. I'll see if we can pull it up, see if this will work. Part of our vision, when we talk about our vision, we talk about loving God, loving people, and serving others acceptance in my ability to not use force but to walk alongside someone has everything to do with my ability to understand God's love for me and be me loving God first then as that happens as I God and I have this thing going together then I can come across and I can start loving one another and so many times what we try to do is we try to force ourselves to love someone when we really don't, aren't connected to the power source that empowers that love. And so we get very frustrated. We also get very judgmental because we only experience love one dimensionally, this way. And we haven't experienced it three dimensionally with God first. First. You see, when I use the illustration that when we're trying to do this, when we're trying to care for people and serve people without the love of God, it's kind of like two ticks and no dog. What happens to two ticks with no dog? That's, this is your part. Two ticks and no dog. They both die because there's no source. There's no source for the love, the love. There, there isn't any way to, 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 for love to, to be driven other than I want you to love me, but you want me to love you, and so we're just wanting each other to love each other, and we're trying to, to, to um, get this thing worked out, and then I judge you and blame you and condemn you because you're not loving me, and you blame me and condemn me because I'm not loving you, and you see, I'm, what a What a wreck. You see, if our family life doesn't surpass the family lives of the fallen world, then we're not going to see the kingdom of God. Or at least we're not going to be able to experience its power. That makes sense? But that's what we do. There is this idea of discernment. And Jesus taught that to his disciples. He says, Look, uh, Matthew chapter 10. If you go to a house and you give it a blessing and it rejects your blessing, turn around and walk off, shake the dust off your feet. No problem. So we see him doing that. But there is this idea of knowing what to give the person, knowing where they are and what to give them. Before I became a Christian, uh, um, I was working on uh, the Anatole Hotel, doing the electrical over there. And there was one of these guys that I called the Bible thumpers. You know, it's the guys that get in their car and they take their Bible for when they go to lunch and they're reading in, in their Bible during their lunch hour, which I thought was absolutely insane. I mean, why would you do that? And he would come in and, and he was a, a, a sheetrock guy, okay? And so as electricians and the sheetrockers worked together because, you know, I had put my plug in there and then they had to cut the little hole for the, the, the receptacle. And so we are kind of hanging out and I'm waiting on them to get the wall up and I, they're waiting on me to get my pipe and do all this. So we're we're always talking. And he started talking to me about God and his religion about Bible. And and he then he quoted this verse. It's in Isaiah 64. It says that your our righteousness or your righteousness is like filthy rags. And he starts explaining this to me and I'm going What in the world is this guy talking? It was completely over my head. Pearls before swine. Make sense? So we do need to know where the person is when we're walking so that we give them something that's useful for them as we bring them along. Remembering that that measure, how we measure them or the standard that we set for them in their understanding is the... Same one that they're going to use on us. You see, I think, at least I know that I did this. When we measure the world and we say that the world, you need to, not, you need to have healthy families. You need to put away pornography. You need to put away these things. But yet, our divorce rate in Christianity is about the same. Be careful of the standard that we set because it will be turned back on. Does that make sense? The pornography rate among Christian men is about the same. Unhealthy families, inability to deal with conflict. We typically don't do much better. Be careful of how the standards that we set and our ability to, to walk with people. Understand perspective. Okay, I want you to do this with me. and I know that you're going to think this is silly, okay? But but I really want you to do it. And if if you see somebody not doing it, I want you to point your finger at them, okay? So I, I, I want you to hold your hand up like this. We, we, you know we sing that song, This Little Light of Mine? Okay, every, you guys are doing... I, I was thinking that... They're not going to do this, but you guys, thank you. Okay, now I want you to, I want you to look at it, okay, and go clockwise. Go, everybody go clockwise. And you have to be looking at it. Now I want you to bring it down like this. Now look at it. Which way is it going? Counterclockwise. Perspective. Giving people and walking with people and accepting people. Y'all can't keep doing this to do the whole rest of the lesson. (laughs) I did this in a class and I I caught some people out in the hall. They were going. (laughs) We have to develop the relationship with people. We often put the challenge before the relationship. The challenge has everything to do with the relationship. It's not about not challenging. But it's about first developing the relationship so that the challenge can be accepted and understood. So it's not about just letting people do whatever they want to do. It's also part about understanding the process of change. Let me pull this up here. The process of change. Everyone changes pretty much the same way. This was done by uh, um, a theorist called Pachaska. But this is the process of change. The first thing in change, if we're talking about helping someone change, since we can't judge them, how how do we help them change? We walk alongside them. We understand that there are different perspectives. They might be looking at it differently than I'm looking at it, but I develop the relationship so I can make the challenge. But I have to understand that that person that I'm walking with recognizes that there's a problem. You know, so many times we don't recognize that there's a problem, so we can offer a solution, but if you do not recognize that there's a problem, what are you gonna do with my solution? You're gonna reject it because you don't even see that there's a problem. This is even before denial because I don't even know that there's a problem. No change can take place in this stage. So part of it, as I'm walking with some, someone, I help them recognize gently that there's a problem. You see, Jesus will also say, he'll say, um, tells the disciples when they're going out, I'm sending you out with, uh, I think this is verse 16 of Matthew chapter 10. He says, I'm sending you out at, at among sheep, among wolves. But be, be smart, be wise as the serpent and innocent as the Dove. Now, when you think about a serpent, do you see them thrashing about when they're getting ready to to strike something? What do they do? They're very patient. They wait until the appropriate moment, and then, bang, they strike. But do that innocently. I think sometimes, at least I know that that in my life, I loved to, to debate when I went to the school of preaching, I learned how to counter every denominational doctrine that you could imagine, and I loved it. You just set them in front of me, and boy, we could we'd go at it. Love striking, not very innocently. Make sense? Sometimes that's just kind of a, a part of us. That's just kind of who we are. Once we realize that there's a problem, I have to realize my part in the problem. How am I participating in the problem? How am I keeping this problem going? Because when we're involved in a problem, when we're involved in a difficult, difficult situation, there are things that we do that perpetuate the problem. And we need to know what those are. Because if I don't recognize how I'm participating in it, then I can't change. But what I will do is I'll spend a whole lot of time trying to talk about things outside of me that I can't change, wanting those things to change. Like I try to change my spouse. You know, if if she would just do whatever, then the problem would go away. So I spend a lot of time talking about my environment, my job, my wife, whatever it is, my coworkers. If they would just do X, then I would be okay. No change takes place until I recognize my part of the problem. Then once I recognize how I'm perpetuating the problem, then I make a plan, I take action, and I do something. You see, one of the things that Jesus is going to say here in the Sermon on the Mount, he closes out and he goes, Look, um, the wise man does what I say. He builds his house on the rock. Because these are not just nice little sayings. These are sayings that are meant to be integrated into our life, and if we do not take action, if we don't have a plan to be able to do it, it will not happen. And then we maintain. Then we do things, we do practices to help us maintain that change. Because the default is that over time, I will gradually go right back to what I was doing if I don't do maintenance. Being here today is part of maintenance. Praising God and being in the community of believers is part of maintenance. Being in a connecting point group is part of maintenance. Serving in ministry is part of maintenance. And we need those. Third characteristic of a kingdom heart is a kingdom heart asks... It asks. In the section where Jesus gives the illustration, look, you know, you, you have kids. And he says, you being evil, if, you're, if your kid asks you for something, you give it to him. You provide, you don't, you don't give them a, a, a rock if they ask for bread. He says, if you being evil know how to do this, just think about what your father does. James chapter 4, a passage that I love. What causes all the quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the war that rages inside you? You kill, you stab, you... I'm, I'm, this is a Galen Jones paraphrase, okay? You kill, you, you, you hurt, you condemn because you don't get what you want. And you don't get what you want because you don't ask. And then even when you ask, you ask for the wrong reasons so that you can satisfy your own selfish desires. But see, the kingdom heart doesn't ask that way. The kingdom heart asks for the other person, for the benefit of the other, not for my benefit. This is what this looks like when I do it for my benefit. I can pray, God, if you'll just, Sharon is my wife, if you'll just, help Sharon be a better wife, I can be a better husband. That's not the kingdom heart. The kingdom heart says, God, would you help me be a better husband? In spite of, no. (laughs) Just help me be a better husband. And the other will take care of itself. That's the kingdom heart. Ask. The fourth characteristic, I'm about out of time. Fourth characteristic of the kingdom heart, it practices treating others the way it wants to be treated. It practices treating others the way that it wants to be be treated. In other words, it's very intentional about how it treats others because it is self-aware and it practices those things. One of the things, I'm, I'm on the benevolence. I t- help the benevolence group. and The committee sometimes will ask, uh, and I'm thinking of, of one uh, individual that, that was from the community that we were helping. Uh, she was a prostitute, and we were trying to work with her, and, and help. this was several years ago, and the benevolence committee at that time, they would touch base with me and say, well, well Galen, what do you think about this? Do you think we ought to, to, to help in this way? And, and I always felt... Um, how would I say, Uh, I felt bad because I could, in my position, I could not not help her. Does that make sense? Because what goes through my mind, if someone hadn't helped me and hadn't been patient with me and hadn't condemned me, I probably would not be standing here before you today. So my first step is, yes, we help. Yes. We go the extra mile. We accept. We go the extra mile. We do what it takes. But we do it with the intent to help them see the kingdom of God. We build the relationship so that the challenge can be done, and we ask God all along the way. So I want to encourage you. The best place to learn how to treat people the way that you want to be treated is to invest in people. Because it's a practice, it's a discipline. So I want to encourage you to get involved in ministry, I want to encourage you to to be involved in serving. Intentionally welcome people. Just start doing the practice. And rather than just asking, how are you? Stay with them a little while and ask them, is there anything that I can pray about? that will let them know that you're more serious about how they are than just asking, oh, hi, how are you, and we blaze down the hall. Ministries are a catalyst for connection. But we have to be very intentional about the relationships that we're building. Be part of the the greeters that greet people. Gather around people and practice treating them how you want to be treated. And you watch the community come to this place. It'll be very attractive. It'll be very welcoming. Let's pray.